you, Moses. Thank you, Kathy. First Corinthians chapter 1. And really, uh, Robbie, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and start passing out those handouts. I gave you a handout last week, and uh, we're going to duplicate that today. It's just a different format. There are a couple of things different on there than last week, so I'm going to ask uh, Robbie and others to pass those out. Back in the, still talking about the, being the called, uh, the called of Jesus Christ. Your Bible's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But back in the day, I can remember when I was living in the big city of Weaver, Alabama, my, uh, my mom, or usually it was my mom, sometimes my dad, but my mom would say, she'd say, and they called me Brycey, Brycey, okay? Brycey. Now, that's not giving you the privilege to call me Brycey. You, the, my dad called me several things. I won't mention that now. But, uh, but my mom would say, Brycey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go outside and call your sister and tell her it's time for supper. Okay? So, being uh, a child and doing what my mama said to do, I would go outside and, uh, you know, we lived in a small neighborhood. I mean, there was probably 50 houses that were, you know, within a stone's throw of our house, but it was a small neighborhood. And uh, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, where was a country city. And anyway, but I would go outside and if my mom said, go call your sister, I would go outside and I would holler, Sister! I would scream. I can remember standing on my front porch saying, Sister! Well, there's no telling how many sisters, but obviously she could tell my voice. And, but, I would, but that's exactly what my mom said. Y'all don't find that funny, do you? I'm funny to But I felt like, a, now that I think about it, I felt like a buffoon. But I would go out there and I would say, you know, just after one after that, say, sister, time to come home. And I'd say it again, go call your sister. So I would, I would go call my sister. Well, kind of humorous, but I want you to know the passage that Robbie read by Peter, Peter mentioned that God has done some things when He called us, Okay. He called you. Now, I want you to know that theologically, there's a call to salvation, okay? And, and in my theology, it's uh, very particular, okay? It's effective. So when God in His eternal decree decides to save you, He saves you. Well, I'm not necessarily talking about the call of salvation, but I am talking about the personal call that you have from Christ to serve Him. He, he mentions, and Peter mentioned, that you have been called to share in the divine nature. So part of the wonderful truth of being saved, though you are still a sinner saved by grace, is God has implanted Himself in you. He has given you Himself. It says that the divine is the word for God. He's given you the God nature. He's given you, you part of Himself. So when He called you, He called you as His own because He gave within you. He gave Himself. So 
Part of being saved is God has given you His divine nature. So therefore, our expectation would be is that part of this call, part of this responsibility is for us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's why He saved us. The whole purpose of salvation ultimately is for everybody to be conformed into the image of His Son. And the Bible says the moment you see Him face to face, when you leave this corrupt body and you see Christ face to face, whether that be through death or through the, the rapture, that you will know Him because you will see Him as He is. You will be transformed. And so, if we're going to be that way when we see Him, then obviously the goal for us is to be like Him when we're living on this earth. That's God's ultimate call. If, if you have your little handout, I, I really just want to buzz through the handout real quickly. I have three or four points in addition to that that I want to make this morning. I'm looking at the call of Jesus Christ. If you're looking at your handout, the top part, the one side, I mean, that you want to start with is it says the call of Jesus Christ at the top of it. And it says, we'd share a divine summons to follow and serve the Lord. That's me, that's you, that's all of us that are born again. And let me warn you, warn you and also remind you that if you're here today and you don't have that, we almost sometimes used to call it unction. If you don't have a divine unction to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, um, then that's a great indication that you don't know Him. You're not born again. Because those of us that are saved, the Bible says we've been called by the Lord Jesus Christ to serve, to serve Him. Now, at the top, I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but um, Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. That's Matthew 16, 18. On this rock, because that was the statement of faith that Peter made. So if you go back and read that, that's the first time the word church is used in the New Testament. I will build my church. He owns the church. He designed the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he tells the apostles, so I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build it. You're going to be the foundation of the church. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. That the apostles are going to be what his, their word, the apostles' word, and the leadership of the apostles is how I'm going to build the church. They're going to be the foundation. I'm going to be the cornerstone. So I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he also says that the church is going to have the keys to the kingdom. So there is a huge responsibility that I have and you have because God has distributed to us the keys to the kingdom. We have words that set people free. But also that those same words that set people free are the same words that condemn people to judgment and hell. It's the same gospel. The gospel saves some people from hell. The gospel condemns other people to hell. But I want you to notice something that, and I was just, this is just a, a word picture that in my mind this makes sense, and maybe this will make sense to you. In all four Gospels, the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is recorded in all four Gospels. And all of them just about say the same thing, but in Matthew's Gospel, it's particular there. It's a little bit longer. The narrative's a little bit longer. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, after, and by the way, when He fed them, He took the boys' lunch. If you ever paid much attention to this, but he, he took the boy's lunch, and the Bible says he blessed it, the bread and the fish, 
and then he distributed it. But who he distributed, this is in John, I mean, Matthew 15, 16, and 17, but he didn't physically distribute the fish and the bread himself. Who did he give the, the bread and fish to first? The twelve apostles. And then the Bible says, the, now think about our role. This is still true. This is, this is the miracle of being called by Jesus. He has shared the kingdom work with me and you. It's, it's, it's a marvelous honor. So with the apostles that day, He gave them the fish, He gave them the bread, and they kept distributing it. He just kept giving it. They kept distributing it. Do you remember what happened after they everybody had their fill? The Bible says, see it never ends, that they collected, the apostles collected 12 baskets full of, of bread and fish. And obviously in our minds we realized that they could, feed, they could feed a crowd again with what God had provided. But I want you to think of the picture is that when God did the miracle, He could have done it many ways. Uh, he could have instantaneously laid a meal before everybody there, but He didn't do that. He used the hands of the apostles. And 2,000 years later, He's still using the hands of believers. You are and I am the called of Jesus Christ. Just as I would call my sister and she knew it was me calling her, folks, we have been called by Jesus Christ to serve Him. That, folks, and that's... That's the priority of the church. We do it through the local church. Now, I'm going to give you some answers. I'm going to buzz through these real quick. I'll make a comment here or there because I just want to share with you two or three things, just some key points about this call. I'm giving you the answers. I'm in the first one that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of what? Darkness into His marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9. So we've been called out of darkness. Uh, we dealt with that passage because we're talking about the light. Called out of darkness into His marvelous. For those who are called according to His purpose. Some of you have been looking at this. Romans 8.28. We've been called according to His purpose. So God's will, part of, the, part of us being saved is God has planted His purpose within us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Colossians 3.15 Talking about the unity of the faith and the, bond, the bonds of peace within the body. We sang about that. Called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where we are in just a minute. Called into the fellowship of His Son. Um, folks, all throughout 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul takes that thought and keeps multiplying it. This is where he calls us. We, he would say things like this in 1 Corinthians 2. We are laborers together with Christ. We are co-laborers together with God. We are so the things that Christ came to accomplish, we're in fellowship with Him. So He called us into the fellowship of His Son. And folks, this is why Jesus said, whatever happened to me is going to happen to you. It's part of the fellowship of believers. It's part of our, our being, in, being bound to, our, to King Jesus or the Lord Jesus Christ. For to this you have been called so that you might 
follow in His steps. So why, why did Christ call you? Why did, Christ call, why did He call you and save you? Why does Christ call you now, moment by moment? He's doing it so you will follow Him. And that's no different than what He said to the disciples when He called them, whether they were fishing or whether they were mending nets. Said they, He called them. And it says they left their nets, they left fishing, and they followed Him on the way. That, that's, what, that's what we do. One of the earlier illustrations up there I, I mentioned about John the Baptist, and I just did that to, to remind myself. John the Baptist had some questions about who Jesus was. This is in, uh, in I think it's in Luke chapter 7. But make a long story short, he, he had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. And so he's eventually going to tell them to follow Jesus. But he's wondering, he wants to make sure Jesus is the promised Messiah. So it says, John the Baptist said to two of his disciples, Go to Jesus and ask him these questions. And what did those disciples do? They did exactly what John the Baptist said do. He called them to do it, so they went and they asked Jesus those, those certain questions. If you go back and look at Samuel and Eli, this is, you know, this is a story of Hannah, uh, her husband Elkanah. Uh, I'm sure that's a name you always want to name your child, Elkanah. But, but you had Hannah and Elkanah, and, and Hannah had dedicated Eli, I mean, had, had, yeah, had dedicated, not Eli, had dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And make a long story short, you can read this in 1 Samuel. So you have the scene where, where Hannah has, I mean, she did this when he was a child. It says, it's, again, because he was a gift, uh, it says when she weaned him, and you can study that for yourself, uh, how, how old a child might be in Bible days when they're weaned. It's much older than it would be today. But as soon as, as, soon as Samuel was weaned, she took him to the tabernacle and she gave him to the Lord. And the implications are Samuel lived at the tabernacle. Eli was the high priest. And several things happened, but God speaks to Samuel. And Samuel doesn't know real sure who it is. It says, you can read a verse that says, and God was not speaking to the people on a regular basis in those days. This is the day of the judges. So anyway, God speaks. And, and so here's some of the things that Samuel hears the voice. So who does he think it is? He is not sure that it's God Almighty, the, the covenant God of Israel. So what does he do? He gets up and he runs into Eli. And what does he say? He hears the call. He doesn't realize it's God the Father. So he runs into Eli. And this is one of the things he says. He says, here I am. He says, here I am. You called me. And of course, Eli hadn't. So he sends him back and he lays back down. The voice speaks again. And then he runs back into Eli and he says, Speak, for your servant hears everything you say. Well, folks, to me, when I was reading that in the Old Testament a few weeks ago, it reminds me of the call of God on our lives. He speaks and we respond. He speaks and just like Samuel ran to him and said, Your servant's here. I heard your voice your servant is here. So when we read the Scriptures and we hear the voice of God, we should act upon God's Word simply as Samuel did when, when he heard the voice of God. Back to your worksheet. 
Those whom He predestined, He also called, and whom He called, He also justified. That's one of the great treasures of being saved. There's five or six particular things that God does when He saves it. We, theologically, we call it the application of salvation. So when God saves, He does several things. He justifies, He sanctifies, He glorifies, He does all these things when He saves a sinner. So those whom God predestined to salvation, He also called. And whom He called, He also justified. Justified is the word just as if you had never sinned. It's judicial. Next one says, walk worthy of your calling. Ephesians 4.1 One of my favorite chapters in the New Testament is Ephesians chapter 4. That we've been called to walk worthy. It would behoove you to go read Ephesians 4 because that is a great church chapter and serving in the church chapter in Ephesians chapter 4. But we've each been called to walk worthy. You could put the word Christ-like there. We've been called to walk Christ-like. We've been called to walk worthy of the Lord, Lord Jesus' name. The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory. So that's part of being saved. He called you to His eternal glory. We might use the word, you know, that's some of our eternal security there, that part of the call is His guarantee of salvation. He is the mediator of a new back. Flip it over. I think it's time to flip it over. I don't know why I thought about this. I was reading some articles the other day about sports figures. And uh, if, if you ever, and I, I'm not big on this. I do watch it every once in a while. But the draft, the, the uh, baseball draft and the football draft, most recent in July was the baseball draft. And uh, it's very significant to be the first person chosen in the draft the number one the number one draft pick right and I believe the Baltimore Orioles had the first pick and they picked a pitcher out of Oklahoma State this is baseball and he gets the call and and that call just his signing bonus he got the call that he's the number one draft choice to get the call they offered him $8.1 million just to sign. That's not his contract. That's the signing bonus, $8.1 million. It's time to answer that call. Am I right? Well, when I was reading that. Now, let's look at eternity. You don't want to put a value of money, monetary value on salvation. That's not what I'm doing. But think of every moment of every day, you're not worthy for God to keep you as His child, but He keeps you because of Christ. Because Christ called you to salvation and has secured that salvation. How much is that worth? It's worth your soul. It's worth your life. Folks, and listen, that's why you serve Him with joy. That, that, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter where you are in whatever stage of life you're in. You want to serve Him because He's bought you 
with His own blood. So that's a call. The call of salvation. Hey, money's one thing, salvation's another. He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may received may receive the promised eternal inheritance. The promised eternal inheritance. Now, folks, just a little theology here. The Bible does speak about rewards. It does. But this is not talking about rewards. This is talking about an inheritance that you did not earn. Somebody else earned it for you. He gives it to you because of your relationship with Christ and through Christ. So there's a promised inheritance for every saint. So Christ earned these things when He came on this earth and we inherit what He earned. So it's called a promised inheritance. No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. Interesting passage in John chapter 15 because he says, servants do not know what their master's doing, but I've told you what I've come to do, so I'm going to call you friends. I love that passage. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Remember the word saints, called to be saints. The word saints is the word for holiness, okay? He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. 2 Timothy 1.9 Next one says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. 1 John 3.1 That we should be called you can look up that word for child, techna is, is the Greek word, that we should be called children of God, little ones of God. And really, in John's context, everybody who's ever been saved, I don't care how long you've been saved, you're still a child of God. Amen? All of us are children of God. That we should be called children of God. For consider your calling, brothers... Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. So he doesn't, he doesn't call us to salvation. He doesn't call us to serve Him because we're some elite great brain or because we're some great athlete or we have some great political power. Matter of fact, He most often calls people that are not in those positions. It says, but he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. 1 Peter 1.15 Next one is Romans 1.7 Called to be saints. Called to be saints. I read part of that last week. Called to be saints together. If you're, if you're filling this in. Romans 1, 7, called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, called to be saints together. God has called you in the grace of Christ, Galatians 1, 6. And I used this last week uh, when we ran out of time. But for get this, for the gifts, this is a profound verse. I wish I had known this when I was a young believer. For the, for the gifts 
and the calling of God are irrevocable. So, the calling of God, whether it be for salvation or for obedience, and the gifts, we talked about that, I won't chase that rabbit again, but all of us have at least one gift, most of us have more than one spiritual gift. We've been gifted for the body, that's what the Bible says. We use those gifts to build up the body, it's the word bodybuilding, uh, to build up the body, that's what you've been gifted for. And so those gifts are irrevocable. The calling, your call to salvation, can't lose it. You did, it's not your salvation, it was Christ. He earned it, not you. So the calling of salvation, the security of all those are irrevocable, but so are the gifts. So your stewardship, this is something you don't really think about, your, your spiritual stewardship never ends. It never ends. You will be a steward until the moment you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a steward of your salvation that He gave you, and you're a steward of the gifts that He gave you. And you'll be that until the day you meet Him. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've got a couple of minutes. I'm reading from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 1, 1. I can remember years ago, it's been several years since I did it, we, we taught the book of 1 Corinthians, and a lot of the stuff that I studied, I can still recall some of that because, uh, because of the paganism that was present in Corinth is so, is so uh, like the paganism that is in our world, in, in, America's, in, in America. Uh, there was so much uh, paganism and so much false worship and so much sexual deviancy and uh, just all kind of wicked stuff was going on. It just reminds you of what the culture in America would be. So it's in that context that Paul says, I, Paul, called, this is Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle. He's talking about the official title of being an apostle. And the word apostle literally means sent one. Okay, He, he was... You know, and again, the word's used just to describe being sent, but here it's talking about the official role. Paul was an apostle, okay? He calls himself an apostle born out of due time. What he meant by that was he met the resurrected Christ face to face after you know, Jesus had ascended and then he came back and met him. So he calls himself an apostle because he met the resurrected Christ, but he, but he met, met him you know, a little bit longer in life. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth. Now, listen to God's word. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Again, the word sanctified, called, called set apart, means to be set apart. Sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. Okay? So, so uh, again... You'll never find the word saint singular. It's always plural. Even when it's used in the Old Testament, when it's translated saints, it's not the same word. When it's translated in the Old Testament, it's always plural as well. It says, called to be saints together with all those. It's not just true for Corinth. That's what I want you to see what the text says called to be saints together with all those who in every place 
call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. What Paul was saying was this standard, though it's true for the church at Corinth, it's to be true for every local church. We're called to be together. We are saints. We're called to be saints. Romans 1, we're called to be saints together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. If you read the book, you find out that Corinth was a very gifted church. They had a lot of people with a lot of different spiritual gifts. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait. Look what they're waiting for. So they're all gifted. Just like this this is 2,000 years later, but that day and today has one thing in common. What are we waiting on? I'm using my gifts, I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, but what am I waiting on? I'm waiting on Him to come back. Look what it says. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're waiting for the apocalypse. We're waiting for His revealing. We're ready for Him to come back who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, verse 9, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter or Cephas, or I follow Christ. And I'll stop here, but he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, without dissecting all those verses, there's a couple of things we know about the call here at Corinth and here in our church. We're called by the will of God, okay? You know, whether people are called to salvation or people are gifted as Christians, you don't decide that for yourself. It's the will of God. It's the sovereign authority of the Lord Jesus Christ or of God the Father who gives the call. Whether you're talking about salvation or whether you're talking about gifts in the body or spiritual maturity, it's a gift of God called by the will of God. Then he also says you're called to be saints together. So we know two things right here. We're called by the will of God and we're called to be saints together. But if you drop down to verse 9, it says we're called into the fellowship of His Son. It says that in verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son. 
So Paul mentions several things about our call to the church at Corinth. We're called by the will of God. We're called to be saints. And we're called into the fellowship of His Son. Folks, this is why, we've got a couple of minutes, this is why the Bible says, now, now I'm going to give you two or three just uh, uh, thoughts kind of to, to end our, our message, but this is why the Bible says that our call is His call. Now, now listen to this. This call is, is a sovereign call, whether you're talking about salvation or your gifts. Call, it's God's decision to call you. The Bible says it's His call in Ephesians 1.8. Listen to the Bible. It says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you might know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. His inheritance in the saints. So His inheritance is imputed to the saints. But it says, To which He has called you. So when we think about this call, you're here today, number one, because Christ called you to salvation. The Father called you. You know, Jesus says that. You know, you didn't call me, but I call. So you're but also the the gifts and the responsibility you have is because Christ has called you and gifted you in his body. So this call that we talk about is his call. But not only is this His call, the Bible says it's a holy calling. And um, it's a play on words, but 2 Timothy 1.9 tells us that. That this call that you and I have received to serve. Now I'm, I'm talking about the, ser- the serving call, not the salvation call. The serving call is a call. It's a holy calling. That it's a sacred calling. It's a calling to be... Uh, different. Uh, it's, it's a calling to be set apart. And I use this illustration all the time, but um, in the Old Testament, it, the word has to do with when God saved you, it was no different than what they would do when they would decide they needed a, a, a cup for the tabernacle. They would go get a cup and then they would take it and they might cover it with gold and then they would bring it to the temple and use it. But what has God... God has taken you a vessel, that's what the Bible says, uh, just a common vessel, and He has saved you, covered you in the, in the blood of His Son, and He's placed you in His body and He wants to use you. So we not only say it's, a, it's His calling, but this calling is a holy calling. You are responsible to the Lord Jesus Christ for your life. He, he has bought you. He owns you. Okay, so it's, it's His calling. It's a holy calling. But the final thing I want to show you is it's... I want to say it's a high calling, but it would be easier to say it's a heavenly calling. Okay? And I want to show you that real quickly. Go to, go to the book of Revelation. We'll finish with this. Go to Revelation real quick. Revelation uh, chapter 1. Matter of fact, we just sang about some of this. Revelation 1. Uh, and then I want to show you. So when we think about whether... And folks, there, there are this many references to the call or calling or called, past tense, throughout the New Testament. I, I could have put three times the number of verses on here. So this calling is real. But when we think about the call, and we're trying to summarize that call, it is about His call. It is He's the Sovereign Lord. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's the one that gives us the call. So it's His call. It's a holy calling. We know that. But also I want you to see that it's a, it's, it's a heavenly calling. It's, it's a, and I, I really want you to see that as a literal thing too. Not, it's not just a mystical heaven. I mean, it's a real heaven that, that we're called to. Um, I, I'm in Revelation 1. And I, let me just uh, read verse 17, 18, and 19. And then we'll do a cross-reference. I just want you to see this. So if you have a little outline, if you're writing this in your mind, our calling is His calling. Our calling is a holy calling. And the third one would be our calling is a heavenly calling. Okay, Verse 17 says, this is when John, the apostle, gets a vision of Jesus. It says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. And I'm the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. Write, therefore, that's what it's telling John to do. This is, this is an overview of the book of Revelation. This is what he wants him to write. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen. Okay, That's what he just saw if you go back and read all of Revelation 1. What he, okay. It says, write, therefore, the things that you have seen. Okay. Those that are, that, that's going to be the church. If you're reading Revelation 2 and 3 are the things that are. Look what he says. So write about the things that you've seen, things that are. And then he says, and those that are to take place after this. Okay? After this. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and go to Revelation 4. So that was what Jesus said to John in, in this kind of introducing the scope, the scope of his calling and what he was going to write down. And so things that were, that are, and that are to come. Now I'm in Revelation 4.1. Now remember, you just finished Revelation 2 and 3, okay? If you go back and read Revelation 1.19, Revelation 2 and 3 are the things that are. It's the church age. So how about the things that are to come? Now, now look what the text says. I'm, this is a great theological argument when it comes to eschatology, but I just want you to see the heavenly calling. That, that our calling is a permanent calling, not only His calling, holy calling, but it is a heavenly calling that our home, our residence, is there. But I'm in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, after this, after what? Uh, after this. Now, he said at the end of verse 19, after this. It says, the things that are after this. I'm looking right back here at chapter 1, verse 19. He says, the things that are after this. Well, he says in chapter 4, verse 1, after this. The Greek is metatauto. You don't care about that. But what he is saying is, okay, you have the things that were. That was my revelation. You have the things that are. That's the church age. And then after that is the rest of the book of Revelation. You with me? Are you with you? So he says, after this. He just got through saying, after this. Write the things that are going to be after this. So, Paul, so John starts out chapter 4 verse 1. After this I looked. 
And what does he see? This is a great argument for the rapture. After this I looked, and behold, what does he see? A door standing open. Where? In heaven. And, and, a, and, and, and the first voice which I heard speaking with me like a trumpet, what did that voice say? Come up here. Let me ask you, where do you belong ultimately? Where, where you, if you're saved, where are you going to end up? Heaven. But folks, we're not there yet. So our calling, it is His calling. It is a holy calling. And ultimately is a heavenly calling. But our responsibility here and now is to be living for Jesus. Amen? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and our hearts are open to the Lord. I ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just thinking about the claims of Scripture upon our lives as believers in the Lord Jesus. Just think about a little phrase we used. What must I do to be saved was what the Philippian, the Philippian jailer said to Paul and Silas. And there's another thing we always say is another question. Saved. What am I supposed to do now? What must I do to be saved? That's one question. But now that I'm saved, what must I do? And, and the answer to that is follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a calling. An irrevocable calling. If you're here today and you've been saved and born again, that calling, that calling is irrevocable. It's His, it's holy, and it's heavenly. But it's a call right now for obedience. It's a call to be together with the saints. It's, it's a call to the church. It's a call to be Christ-like. And folks, I, I don't know where you are. I don't follow you around. I don't see your heart. But I know the Spirit does. And I know the Word is living and active. And you may be here today. It's by divine providence and God is using His Word and Spirit to draw you to repentance. Now folks, coming to me doesn't make it true, doesn't make it for real. Your call to repentance is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, but maybe in God's providence He wants you to come speak a word to me, and that's fine. Maybe God's leading you to kneel where you are and pray and maybe confess some sins, or, or maybe He wants you to come to the altar. But we, we have been called to be saints, little holy ones, and we're called to be saints together. Does that describe your personal life? If you're here today and you need to make a decision, these are the times that you do that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the call. Now bless our moments together in Jesus' name. We stand and we sing. What hymn are we singing, Moses? I knew that. It's really true. He can do it. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like
say praise the Lord. I really do believe that. He's the heart changer. Scott, you wanted me to announce at 4 o'clock this afternoon the stewardship or finance team has a meeting. Fellowship Paul maybe. Okay. So if you're meeting with Scott, you're all meeting this afternoon at, at 4 o'clock. At the welcome desk? Okay. There's a senior adults singing, and uh, you'll find that information out there at the uh, welcome desk as well. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for your presence this morning. Father, all of us, every day, are called to something. We're called to a meeting. We're called to meet somebody. We're called to repair things. But Father, the ultimate call for all of us is that Jesus Christ called us and saved us and now He calls us to serve Him in a world of darkness. Father, thank You for this call, for His call, for His holy calling. And Lord, thank You that ultimately we all know it's a heavenly calling. That's where we belong. Lord, help us to be faithful as we live in this world now. In Jesus' name, amen.